Hello! Welcome to Wit Beyond Measure. I'm Katrina Mayer. And I'm Elle Kammerer. And today we are discussing a couple of Pride and Prejudice adaptations that take a look at the book through a multicultural lens. So for example, I read Pride and Prejudice and Other Flavors by Sonali Dev, which features an Indian family and Katrina. I read Aisha at Last by Uzma Jalaluddin, and that is looking at Pride and Prejudice through the lens of Muslim families, um, Muslim families who live in Canada specifically, and they immigrated there from India. I just want to say that I freaking loved my book. Me too. (laughs) I loved my book too. Uh, I'm really waiting for the day that we finally find a book that you don't like. (laughs) I've actually talked about it a little bit uh, with some of our followers on Instagram about how uh, in the 20-ish years that I've known you, I don't think I've ever had you explain why you hate a book. (laughs) So this is a story for another time, but friends, listeners, Elle, it has happened. Um, There have been books that I have greatly disliked and I've disliked them so much I've banned them from my shelves. I either gave them to somebody else who I thought might appreciate the book more or donated it. Um, but it has happened and maybe someday I will let you in on that. Well, I'm I'm throwing a challenge out there to our listeners that if you guys can find a Jane Austen adaptation book form in book form that is bad, DM me uh, through our Instagram. Let me know. And maybe I'll slip it to Katrina when we're looking at other other adaptations. And no, I'm not going to tell her about it beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> so just throwing it out there. I know somebody did send me one, and I don't know where that message went. So it, it was a Pride and Prejudice adaptation. But I think we're, we might almost be done with our Pride and Prejudice adaptations. We might so. almost be done. Maybe. Yeah, Keyword maybe. is maybe. I do keep finding more. So, <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about these ones this yes. week that we loved and they're amazing. And I want to hear about Aisha at last first. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So, as I said before, Aisha at last takes place in Canada. Um, so, there's the two main families. So, there's Aisha's family, who Aisha and her mom and her dad and her brother and her grandparents lived in India and they had to move to Canada when Aisha's father was killed. And how they were able to move to Canada is um, she had an uncle and his family, they were already there. So so they all moved, the grandma and the grandpa, her mother, Aisha and her brother, they all moved there. They stayed with the uncle. The uncle is very wealthy. And so then he eventually built his own house and he let the rest of the family live in the house where they were first living. So they stayed there. And then the other family, like the Darcy family, um, our Darcy in this book, his name is Khalid. And he is Canadian. He was born in Canada. His parents, I can't remember when his parents came to Canada or if his parents were already from Canada. That detail is escaping my mind all of a sudden now that I'm talking about this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I know he was like raised in Canada. He's Canadian. Uh, yes. And so the book opens up. Um, we get uh, Khalid's perspe- perspective. He's sitting in his home. He's looking out his window and he sees Aisha who lives across the street come out and He's, like, reflecting on her, like, thinking about her, things like that. They don't know each other. They haven't met because he and his mother had just moved into that house across from Aisha's. Um, So they are new to that neighborhood. But at the end of the first chapter, after he's, like, observing her and, like, kind of thinking about her, we get the famous first line of Pride and Prejudice. So the first line of Pride and Prejudice comes to us rewritten at the end of the first chapter. And because we've been sharing these first lines, we shared them in the last episode. I just thought I'd share it here. Just it's fun to see how how these authors have adapted them. So I will share it and here it goes. I will lead into it with the sentence prior. The girl with the broken red mug would never be more than a fantasy. 
There he's referring to Aisha. Because while it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single Muslim man must be in want of a wife, there's an even greater truth. To his Indian mother, his own inclinations are of secondary importance. So that's how chapter one ends. And then chapter two, we get um, Aisha's perspective. So like the book, it doesn't alternate perfectly between either Aisha or Khalid, um, but we mainly get their perspectives on what's going on. Sometimes we get the perspective from Aisha's friend, Clara. They have been friends since Aisha moved to Canada when she was a young girl. And she also, her family also moved to Canada from, I can't remember where, I want to say someplace in Europe. So they kind of bonded over that. And Clara works in the same building as Khalid. And that's how they are able to meet. I realize I might be saying his name wrong. I think maybe his name is Khalid. Yeah, is it Khalid? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It might be Khalid. I'm sorry. I should have learned how to pronounce his name beforehand. Um, In my brain, I was saying Khalid, and now I was really nervous (laughs) just now. And I've been saying Khalid, and I'm like, this doesn't seem right. I have not been saying this name in my brain as I've been reading it. Yeah, I'm just going to throw it out there, benefit of an audiobook, because I did, uh, just because I've been super busy lately, switch to the audiobook version of mine, and that helped a lot with the names. Oh, that's a good idea. Yep. Audiobooks. Libro FM. Just throwing it out there. Sorry, I'm (laughs) done. Go ahead. So I just wanted to kind of give you a rundown of the characters and how they kind of match up with Pride and Prejudice, as well as the plot. Because while we've been looking at books that kind of follow Pride and Prejudice, um, the original story, this one is also its own story. So Pride and Prejudice is woven in Some of the plots are woven in. Some of the lines are rewritten and woven in really nicely. But it is also its own story. So, of course, there's tons of characters in this novel. I've already listed some of them at the beginning. But where I found that characters lined up with the books was, of course, Aisha is Lizzie. Khalid is Darcy. And then Aisha has a cousin, a younger cousin named Hafsa. And she is... About 2021, 20, I think, and she's kind of starting to enter the world of searching for a husband. Um, she's getting a lot of Rishta proposals, right? So, like, they're the family is very um, focused on like the arranged marriage aspect. Um, so Hafsa's kind of a little bit of a Lydia, she follows um, some of Lydia's plots, but she isn't as thoughtless as Lydia. Um, Aisha and Hafsa do have a really close bond, despite their age difference. So she's kind of like Lydia, but not Lydia Lydia. Um, And then there's another character. His name is uh, Tarek. And he is kind of our Wickham character. And he does play a part not only in Aisha's life and then Hafsa's life, but also in Khalid's and his family's life, like what we would have seen Wickham do in Pride and Prejudice. There's a bit of a connection there. It's not exactly lined up like Pride and Prejudice did it, but you you get the idea, oh, he's the Wickham of this. Mm-hmm. And then Hafsa's family. His name, his name doesn't have Wick or Ham or anything like that in it? Nope, it's Tarek. Oh. Yep. <laughs> no, Wickham is the last name? No. <laughs> And then Hafsa's mother is very much like Mrs. Bennett, but not like cold or anything. You know, she just, she's very focused on getting her daughter married. She also has three younger daughters. So Hafsa's the oldest. So there are other daughters in the household. Um, so they're kind of like the Bennett family, but also not, right? They're also mm-hmm. their own family as well. So, yeah. So I may have missed it. How, wait, is that Aisha's mom? So, Aisha's mom is a nurse in the novel, and her husband was killed when they lived in India. And that's how they ended up moving to Canada. Hafsa's mom is like the Mrs. Bennett 
of oh, the story. And okay, Hafsa's okay, okay. mom has the younger daughters. And then right, the right, right. uncle okay, is the wealthy man who was able to bring his family right. over to Canada. I was confused because... Yeah, the uncle I and thought, Aisha's mom are siblings. Right, but I was when you were talking about the Mrs. Bennett character, I oh, was yeah. like, wait, I didn't think that. So that's not Aisha's mom. No. So is Aisha's mom pressuring her to get married? No. Um. So because they lost Aisha's father, um, it, it said in the novel Aisha's mother and her father they were very, very much in love to the point where they essentially chose each other. Right? It wasn't. It wasn't like the steps that you would take if you were going to participate in an arranged marriage. They essentially mm-hmm. chose each other and then her grandfather and grandmother were like, okay, you know, we see this, mm-hmm. we're not going to stop that. But because her father was killed and they were so in love, this like put Aisha's mother into like a very deep depression, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she she is very... You see her very upset and very sad and very angry, even even after so much time has passed, because now Aisha is a grown woman. She's like 26 in the novel, and there's still some of that pain that she's holding on to. Oh, okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting dynamic change between like Lizzie Bennett and Mrs. Bennett. Yep. Now that we have Aisha and her mom. Yeah. So, interesting. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And then in addition to this novel having – the plot and some of the lines of Pride and Prejudice recycled. There's also really great Shakespearean references and Shakespearean Ooh. plot. Yes. Ooh. So this comes from the grandfather. Uh, Nana is the grandfather and then Nani, the grandmother. And he, when they lived in India, he taught literature at like a college level, at university level. And so he quotes the bard very often throughout the book so does Aisha um the book has a little bit of mistaken identity a little bit of identity Ooh. swapping um much like was it as you like it or is it as 12th night, 12th yeah. night. well and then there's there's some other ones that deal with like uh well, identity switching as well isn't the subtitle of 12th night as you like it or no 12th what night. you will it's been a long time since we've read Shakespeare. Wow, sorry, we're guys. So bad. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but Susan, we are very sorry. Sorry, Susan, if you're listening. Sorry so much. Yeah, don't take. Can you revoke our grades at this point? Oh. No, she can't. It's too late. It's too late. Um, but yeah, very Twelfth Night, and also it reminded me of the other mistaken identity one that I can't think of the title off the top of my head. I know there's several. There's several, but um. Well, so Twelfth Night was mistaken identity and gender swapping. Yeah. There isn't gender swapping in this one. It's just mistaken identity. Um, It's kind of like, what's the one with the two sets of twins? There's the twin princes and their twin servants and they're the shipwreck and they're separated and then they come to the same town and like hilarity ensues. I should I should know this because I've seen is it that twice. Comedy of Errors. Yeah, com- I, yeah, it is Comedy of Errors. Pretty okay, sure I haven't seen that. So it's kind of like Comedy because of Errors. Twelfth Night sense. also has Twelfth Night also has the shipwreck. Yeah, but that's the girl and her brother, and then right the girl ends up in town, and then the brother isn't actually dead, and then stuff happens, and a hilarity yeah. ensues. So yeah. shipwrecks and <laughs> mistaken identities and people being separated happens all the time in Shakespeare. <laughs> So I don't feel bad about us forgetting a little bit because it's happened more than once. He, yeah, he a little okay. bit recycled those ideas. Uh, Let's just remember we're a Jane Austen podcast we are a Jane and not Austin a little Shakespeare podcast. Maybe someday. <laughs> maybe, maybe when we're done with Austen. I mean, we could move on to Shakespeare. It's, our other, it's our other love we say after butchering shakespeare after yeah oh my gosh i'm so embarrassed (laughs) so embarrassed apologies anyway yes lots of shakespeare woven into this book i lived for it so great so good i'm not gonna tell you the mistaken identities because you just need to read it and figure it out for yourselves because that's for me that was the most enjoyable part of the book was like well no what's gonna happen when this person finds out that this person is actually this person and not this person it's like (laughs) so yeah um yeah other things that 
you should know about this story is it's not I mean it is a love story but it's so much more than that it's also about people's dreams and how you pursue your dream and how sometimes you can get derailed from a dream and what can bring you back to it it's a lot about identity um specifically like this in this book it's like the muslim identity and what does it mean to be muslim in the western world right so aisha probably more modern khalid traditional but still like khalid's thing he his pride like you know the darcy pride his pride comes from his religion and he's like i'm not gonna hide i'm Mm -hmm. going to follow my religion and everybody else be damned i'm not gonna hide it Mm -hmm. and he kind of gets in a little thing at his work when a new manager takes over and this woman like judges him based on his religious appearance and based on his religion and his customs and his traditions even though he is canadian like the first thing she one of the first things she asks him is like where are you from he's like toronto <laughs> like and then i moved here you know like stuff like yeah. that yeah. so it's also very much about identity it's also about the fear of the unknown and not just like the manager I was talking about and like her quote unquote fear even though she's just like a total biatch but like her quote unquote fear of that but also like fear for Khalid specifically the fear of like falling in love before marriage because in his mind love comes after marriage right and so like he sees Aisha he starts getting to know Aisha and then like it changes his perspective and he battles with that Oh, so there's, there's where we get the, oh, I'm like a a real like struggle between I'm falling in love with you and I really shouldn't. It's not like Darcy in the main book when it's just like, oh, I'm falling in love with you, but I shouldn't because of class. This is like really tearing at his, at at him, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. It is. And there's a lot. real Darcy. (laughs) Yes. There's a lot of other things that come into his resistance as well. And I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to list all of the reasons. But that is one of them. And then, of course, Aisha has her, like, a little bit of prejudice against him, you know, because Mm -hmm. he does have more traditional religious ideas that she's like, I don't agree. Like, she's like, I don't, yeah, I don't agree with, (laughs) like, necessarily the arranged marriage thing. Like, not, or I don't want to say that she doesn't agree with it, but, like. It's not for her. It's not for her. She does allude Mm -hmm. to that in the novel as well. But she does go back and forth sometimes because, like, Mm -hmm. she she lives through it through Hafsa and her um, journey through that as well. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and then family secrets is another thing, um, specifically in Aisha's family, because she doesn't know how her father was killed, and I'm not going to tell you, you have to read the book, um, but she does come to learn. I was wondering if you're going to bring that up. (laughs) Yeah, she does come to learn, like, what happened there. And then also family secrets in Khalid's family, specifically with his mother, his father, and his sister, who I have not mentioned. Mm -hmm. So Khalid has a sister, Zarina, and Zarina... We come to learn at the beginning of the novel lives in India. And as okay. we go through the novel, we discover why she came to live in India and how her life has changed from when she lived in Canada with her family to living in India. And then at the end, she comes back. And so you see kind of her life and what happens there. Is she younger? She's older. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, she's older. And then also family bonds. That's the last big major theme that I picked up on was like the bond of family. Even though Aisha and Hafsa have a falling out in the novel, their bond is much stronger than that. And I really liked how this novel, because I mentioned that Hafsa is kind of like the Lydia character. Mm-hmm. And so the novel didn't just like wash over her actions, Hafsa's actions. Um, mm-hmm. at, by the end of the novel, she has to like kind of face them, and Aisha's the one to like lay it out. And 
It was done really well and I thought really realistically. And it was like the talk Lydia needed in Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, I liked I liked that. I liked that there was a reckoning and that there was learning from it and that Hafs is okay at the end. It all works out for her as well in a very positive way. So yeah, it's good. That's always nice when we have a Lydia character who doesn't end up just like, you know, married up on her own, kind of living in this weird bubble, but like has to come and like deal with the consequences and understand what she put her family through and then live okay at the end and actually be happy or at the very yes. least learn a lesson where yep. we know the actual Lydia Bennett didn't learn anything. No, nope. she learned nothing. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. So yeah, so that was so. really good. Um, other little things that don't have to do with like the theme that I picked up on that I wanted to share is Aisha is a career woman. Um, so she gets like a lot of gossip about her a little bit, like among the older women in their community, like, oh, mm-hmm. she should be married, you know, she shouldn't be mm-hmm. working. But she does have when when people know what her job is, they're like, oh, that is a respectable job for a woman. So like <laughs> you get those <laughs> those kind of comments. Um, so Aisha's a teacher. She is oh, okay. a first year teacher when the novel takes place. Um, she's subbing at a high school and she, the, she describes her first day and you kind of go with her her first day and it's like, wow, that's the first day of every teacher. By <laughs> second period, you're crying in the staff bathroom. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you don't let that scare you and you keep going and you get better and that's what Aisha does. And so I've... I connected with that. I was like, that is a first-year teacher thing. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. And I also connected with Aisha's friend Clara, who I mentioned at the beginning. Clara has been with her partner since college, um, so a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear that her boyfriend isn't into marriage, but Clara mm. does want to get married. And so the reconciliation of those two characters at the end is just everything. And again, I'm not going to spoil it. You have to read it. But Khalid plays a big part in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So is that kind of like our Jane Bingley kind of relationship? Maybe Jane Bingley. I was also thinking like Charlotte Collins. I was actually going to ask that until you said that. But uh, I think Khalid had a had a hand in it. I think uh, Clara and her boyfriend are their own characters. I don't think they necessarily oh, right, measure up right. against Pride and Prejudice. I really only had those four main ones that I talked about at the beginning that I thought well had the distinct parallels. Well, so by saying oh they're the Jane and the Bingley, yeah doesn't mean that they're not their own characters. Right. It's just kind of like, it's a relationship that kind of reflects that in the original text yeah. in, in some ways. I wouldn't say they're Jane Bingley because to me, Bingley would imply that he's, Bingley is Darcy's friend, so it would imply that Clara's boyfriend is Khalid's friend, but they don't know each other outside of Clara because Clara right. is the HR person and Khalid works at the office. Or at the company where she is the HR person. So that's how they know each other. Um, but Clara is Aisha's friend. And like that's why it right. kind of made me think. Oh maybe it's more like a Charlotte. Well. Kind of thing. Clara also gives some marital advice. Some mm-hmm. ideas that like kind of lined up a little bit with. Like how we would think Charlotte would give advice. Um, but yeah. But it's really great how Khalid kind of helps at the end. With that. It's. It's awesome. <laughs> so you talk about like, or you mentioned about like following dreams. Mm-hmm. Oh, Where does yeah. that take place? Yeah. I can't believe I didn't tell you guys. <gasps> so sorry. So yes, we know Aisha's a teacher, mm-hmm. but Aisha's a poet. Oh. She's a spoken okay. word poet. She is always writing poems. Um, I love spoken word poetry. Yes. So... That's her dream. Her dream is to just travel and write poetry and perform it, right? Um, But within her community, that is not something for a woman to do. So, you know, she's like, okay, I'll go. I'll be a teacher. 
like that is respectable and then I can do my poetry on the side I can like feed my talent on the side but throughout the novel she kind of leans more toward her dreams and like following her dreams and her poetry um plays into her and Khalid's relationship so what does Khalid do he um works in IT and when his evil awful boss the new boss is like trying to find ways to get him fired and so she assigns him to this project where essentially he's having to design a website for these clients Mm -hmm. and one it's a website one one it's a business that as a traditional muslim man he's uncomfortable (laughs) but he's he he learns he does you know he's he's not gonna back down like he's still gonna do it and then two is yeah yeah he's incredibly more than professional he's like accommodating kind he's like everything you want um and then two website design really isn't in his like field um that's something he did like before a long time ago he knows how to do it but that's not really what he does now and so it's a little bit it's a little bit of a demotion Oh, shit. For him. But he does it, and it blows up in the gross, evil manager's face. (laughs) So good for you, Khalid. You did it. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, and Khalid has this friend, Amir, who they work in the same office, and Amir is the complete opposite of Khalid. The complete opposite. So is he the Bingley? No. <laughs> <laughs> In personality, is he no. a golden retriever? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, maybe no. no, no, he's not. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Amir's had a really tough time. Um, and yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to ruin it. But he he's had a tough time, and then so his like views and how he acts and things like that play into it and he grows up as the story goes on and as him and Khalid mm-hmm. become closer in terms of friends yeah so is there like a socioeconomic imbalance like there is in other versions yes so Khalid's family is very wealthy um Aisha's uncle's family, also very wealthy. And then Aisha's family, not so much. Okay. Yeah. Does that, does that dynamic come into the character's conflicts? I'm going to say no. Oh, that's refreshing. <laughs> yeah. I, it's there. It's mentioned. Um, maybe, like, Khalid's mom, like, judges a little bit bit on that and then like Khalid does mention like you know the famous Darcy speech I love you against my will we have a version of that speech in here and he does reference that as well but it's not driven and it's not to me it was it wasn't too noticeable that it felt like it was really part of keeping them apart it was more like the other conflicts in the book because I don't want to give anything away because it's so good. You need to read it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I listened to our last episode and I give away everything. And you just, you never give away anything. <laughs> no, because I, did, I didn't like the other books. So that's right. why I didn't care. <laughs> but I'm probably going to give a lot more away on this book, too. <laughs> Um, I feel like I've I've given you all the details that go along with the book. You just don't know who what detail goes with which character necessarily. So okay. you you could see where it's going, of course. I mean, I'm sure we know the ending. But how we get to that ending is the surprise for you all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Any final words on Aisha at last? Uh just read it. It's so good. Ten out of ten would recommend. I'm curious. I'm curious about the title, mm-hmm. like at last. What is? What do you think that that is? So for me, Aisha is very much in the shadow of Hafsa, mm-hmm. who is like very beautiful, very outgoing, very savvy, a uh, little selfish, 
a little spoiled, right? Well, if she's our Lydia, then. Yeah, yep. So Aisha feels kind of like second to her. Mm. Hafsa gets all the Rishta proposals. Aisha, like, she gets, (laughs) she has like one in the book and it's like one of Hafsa's (laughs) like rejects. (laughs) It's like what she she didn't know it was happening, you know. <laughs> um, so and the reject Rishta proposal comes back at the end in a good way. So <laughs> I oh, loved really? that. Yeah, I loved that detail. It's a good. I loved that. I loved his his journey uh, between <laughs> the two cousins, and then so I think that at last is like when. Aisha's getting the attention from Khalid. It's like mm. her. Tr- it's like ah, finally at last, it's me. And he is okay. like clearly the he's the most eligible bachelor. You know, in <laughs> let's never use that word again. Can right? We just no, say no. That? Yeah, no, we're never using that word again. Um, but like, but he is like he. Yeah. You know, uh, good family, religious, has money, has a good job, can support. Right. So that's that's what makes him like cream of the crop. It also helps that he is handsome and all of that as well. Although, like, he gets called out by Aisha. Like, his beard is unkept, right? He keeps mm-hmm. it, like, traditional. So it's unkept. It's And um, he wears, like, the traditional robes and, like, the cap and all of that. And so, like, when Aisha looks at him, it's kind of like like an old man, right? Or, like, oh, like okay, okay. Or not, like, hip at all. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> but that changes a little teeny bit at the end. Um, they convince Khalid to kind of like change his appearance a bit. Just then the, it kind of goes with getting back at his evil boss. And then and then you kind of see underneath you're like, oh, he's really handsome. But Aisha sees that before the change, yeah. right? She okay. sees that already and she she's, loves she's, pre makeover. Yeah, and she's <laughs> she's attracted to him like that pre end of book appearance change um so and there's a scene in the book where so khalid loves to cook there's another detail he loves to cook and there's this and aisha's like oh i hate cooking and like her (laughs) grandmother nani she's always trying to teach aisha how to cook and she's like no 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 and then Mm -hmm. she ends up inviting khalid over for like a cooking lesson with her grandmother and her and then that's when her grandmother sees like Oh, they're in love, and like you know, yeah. So it's it's good. I love the the grandmother and the grandfather in this story. They're like so cool. They're like the aunt and uncle. Oh my god, brain light bulb. <laughs> they're the gardeners. <laughs> they kind of they kind of are. They kind of they kind of are because they they do. Especially the grandmother. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't catch that before this moment. <laughs> yes okay realizations live coming at you right now it's so good guys just read Via the book. recording <laughs> live uh two weeks from now um anyway <laughs> yes read the book it's so good so yeah nice nice all right i want to hear about pride and prejudice and other flavors well i was actually gonna just like because you said in your book aisha hates cooking <laughs> And Kali does enjoy cooking. And it made me think to the original text. And I'm like, yeah, no, I can totally see Lizzie just not cooking. And just being like, no, I don't do that. I'm sorry. I'm not good at it. I don't like it. And Darcy being like, no, I could cook. You know, I feel like he's like a secret cook. Yeah. You know, maybe. Yeah. Well, and also, of course, it doesn't help that my book actually focuses a lot on cooking. Like, seriously this book will make you hungry for indian food i don't care for indian food too much mostly probably because i always end up ordering something that's way too spicy for me which i know is not all indian food like there's a whole plethora of tastes for indian food but i always get stuck with something too spicy so i tend to avoid it uh but this book made me hungry and made me want to go like eat indian food also, I just noticed when I was flipping through before we started recording, there's a recipe in the back of this oh book. Oh my god, there's a recipe in the back of my book. What's yours for? Mine is for 
Nani's delicious homemade chai because chai is a big deal in this family. Chai, I love chai. Yes, chai is a symbol. Chai is a major symbol in this book. Mine is for chicken and Mughal cream sauce. Oh, yum. Yeah, it just sounds delicious. (laughs) But uh, anyway, so in my book, we have uh, Trisha, who is our Lizzie. And DJ, who is our Darcy, quite literally in the sense that his first name is actually Darcy. Oh. But he goes by DJ because Darcy is a ridiculous name. Uh, <laughs> and Darcy is a cook. He is actually a very good cook to the point where he essentially seduces Trisha via food. <laughs> nice. So. Okay. But I I want to start by saying that if you get Pride and Prejudice and other flavors and you open up to the very first page, the acknowledgments, Sonali Dev, which I believe is actually pronounced Dave, maybe. I believe I'm saying it wrong and I apologize profusely. But she writes, I'm going to start with alerting you, dear reader, that Trisha and DJ's story is only loosely inspired by the themes that Miss Austin explored so deftly. There are no daughters to be married off here, which is true. Only imbalanced power dynamics and preconceived notions to be navigated. And I thank you with all of my heart for going on this romp with me, which, I mean, it was so much fun. But I, I think that she actually does herself a little bit of an injustice there because it makes it seem as if that the only real connections between Pride and Prejudice and this book that we're going to get is the Lizzie Darcy dynamic. And that's actually not true at all. I was thinking about it as I was going through and I was finding so many little connections. But what's interesting is that looking at these characters in the story and comparing it to Pride and Prejudice, it's almost as if she took it and just completely flipped it on its head. Mm. So Trisha, who is our Lizzie in that she has a large family she uh has to deal with parental expectations, you know, like uh, Lizzie does with her mom wanting her to get married. And she is prejudiced against Darcy. Okay. She is actually rich. And she not only is wealthy, but her family has a lot of pull in uh their, like, social circles. She is the one who has a history with Wickham with our Wickham character. Okay. And the Wickham character actually has uh nefarious dealings like the like the Georgiana marrying kind of nefarious dealings with one of her siblings. Mm-hmm. And Trisha is the one who does the awkward proposal/confession slash of love. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. I actually didn't expect it from Trisha. So it might be a little bit of a spoiler. I apologize. But I felt like that was a necessary thing to point out that it's it's almost as if the author took Darcy and like gender bent, but not quite because Trisha is still very much like a Lizzie kind of character. Like she feels like Lizzie to me. Yeah. And then we have DJ who has one sister. Both of his parents are dead, but he's poor, and he is also very prideful. Okay. And Trisha insults his pride. So that's where it kind of blurs a little bit, because I do feel like in the original text, Darcy insulted Lizzie's pride, mm-hmm. whereas here, Trisha insults DJ's pride. But I yeah. still feel like DJ is very much a prideful person, and Trisha is too, don't get me wrong, but that's... You know, the whole point of this book is that they're both pride, prideful and both prejudiced, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, yeah, so I don't want to say that it's a complete gender bend or a complete flip-flop. But there are things that are very much, like, blended between the two. But it is very clear that it's almost as if she, or Sonali, Dave, took Darcy and Georgiana and put them in the Bennett's position and then took the Bennett's and put it in Darcy's position. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Now, that being said, there aren't five daughters. Right. There's four children, two girls, two boys. Um, Lizzie is the second youngest, I believe. But she doesn't have an older sister and she has an older brother. Okay. But so 
Trisha's older sister, Nisha, I feel is very much has Jane energy. Yeah. Uh, and she has kind of a Bingley in that she's married and they do have a bit of conflict. Like they're actually separated for a while. Not like marriage separated, right. but like the two characters. One is in California and one spends half the book in England. Huh. And there's tension there and there's tension because they're separated. And then, yeah, there's a Wickham character. I feel like the older brother has a bit of Lydia in him, except that he's not completely reckless. Mm -hmm. He has Lydia in him in that he's the one that is kind of fucked over by Wickham. Okay. So he's a little bit of Georgiana in there, too. But, yeah. But, well, mostly Georgiana. But he still has the connection to Wickham like Lydia would. He is very clearly the family favorite. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He gets all the attention. And again, that the tension of the story, the like, you know, certain secrets can't come out are be are, are kind of surrounding him. So like in the original book, the family shame comes from Lydia. In this one, if certain secrets, certain shames get out, it it will hurt Yesh. Okay. Who is the Lydia, I would say is kind of almost a Lydia equivalent. So. so we have all of that. So it's, you can kind of see these characters from the original text in this book. But again, they're, they're different characters. They are their own people. They have their, their own motivations and everything like that. Like Yesh isn't here trying to get married or anything like that. You know, he isn't, he isn't girl crazy. Like Lydia is boy crazy. But you can kind of just see how the original characters in the original text have influenced yeah. the creation of these characters in this book. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. It's it's really cool. Um, so there's a couple of things I want to point out that uh, about this book that I really enjoyed. One is that DJ's mother is very clearly a huge fan of Jane Austen. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mentioned that his mother had her very own and beloved copy of Persuasion. Okay. She also named her son Darcy against mm -hmm. his will. Uh, <laughs> he really hates that name. Um, but his sister's name is Emma. Oh. Yeah, so. I like I that. Yeah. yeah, lots of Jane Austen influence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really cute. It's really cute. Emma is one of my favorite characters because she is a firecracker. Yeah. She is everything Georgiana Darcy is not. <laughs> she is outspoken. She's an artist. She is like, man, you can't tell her no. She's just like, she's, she's, she's a spark. She's crazy. I love her to death. Um, and she's actually the reason why Trisha and DJ meet. Sort of. I feel like she kind of back up a little bit. So Trisha's family is, they're rich. They live in San Francisco. Their parents are from India. And her father, he is the great, great, great grandson of one of the former Maharajas. Okay. He is technically... Still Indian royalty, though I don't know exactly how that still works because he doesn't actually have any power. It's just kind of a symbol kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The family jokingly calls him HRH or His Royal Highness. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he moved his family to California. Um, I don't remember if Trisha was born in America or not. I believe she was. I don't know if the kids were born in India, but he moves his family to California um, to raise them as Americans, as Californians. You know, they're not going to be raised as, you know, Maharajas of India. That's not how they're going to be raised. They're going to be raised as Americans. It's very important to him that they are, but it's also very important to their mother that they stay close to some traditions from India. HRH is very strict feeling or very, very cold, very kind of goal oriented. So he kind of fixates on the older brother's political career. Okay. And how everything in the family then turns into making sure that the older brother becomes 
I think he's running for governor of California at the time. Okay. So he actually has like a really tense kind of relationship with Trisha because something happened in Trisha's past uh, related to Wickham that could ruin the older brother's chances of becoming governor. And I'm not necessarily going to spoil that because it is, it's kind of a slow reveal throughout the story of what actually happened. Um, What actually happened is really kind of terrible though. So just throwing that out there. But yeah, so HRH kind of blames Trisha a little bit for what happened to the older brother. So that kind of has this weird tension there. So we don't have a nice father-daughter relationship like we did in the original text, which mm. is kind of sad. But, okay. Yeah. yeah. But we also don't have a crazy Mrs. Bennett character either. So yeah. Yeah. Ways out. Yeah. Yeah. So Trisha is a uh, brain surgeon. She is a very, very smart brain surgeon. She develops like new technology to remove tumors. She got like a couple million dollar grant at this hospital. Her dad works at the hospital. Um, so they're kind of a big deal. Well, it turns out that Emma is Trisha's patient. Emma is an artist who has a brain tumor, and Trisha cannot remove the tumor without Emma going blind. Oh. Yeah. So we have some tension there. Yeah. Like Emma is just like, fuck, no, I'm not getting the surgery. I'll just die. I'm not going to lose my sight. I'm an artist. And Trisha's like, no, really, like, you have so much more to live for. Trying to convince her to get the surgery. Well, the reason why Emma was able to see Trisha as a patient or as a doctor, you know, is because her brother had connections with the family. So it's kind of like everybody is connected. So, DJ gets invited to cater Trisha's brother's campaign dinner, and because he's a cook, it's kind of complicated. It's better explained, I think. But anyway, so the first time DJ and Trisha meet, Trisha doesn't know that DJ is Emma's brother, and they meet at the family house. He's cooking. She's starving because she has like this giant appetite. It's kind of, it's it's kind of a weird quirk of hers. Like she doesn't eat and then she just like eats everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> she blames it on being a surgeon because, you know, she's like, oh, I'm busy all day and I don't get a chance to eat. And then she just eats everything. But uh, so she like goes into the kitchen and there's a conflict because like, He's trying to impress the family because he wants to keep getting jobs because they pay really well and he needs to pay for his sister's surgery. And she's really hungry. (laughs) 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 I know that sounds really bad, but she's really hungry. She goes into the kitchen and she knocks over some caramel, sorry, caramel, and she... Like, he goes to grab the pan and he burns his hands and he's upset because he's like, you just come into my kitchen and mess stuff up? Why didn't you catch that? And she's just like, do you know how much my hands are worth? (laughs) Which is, like, the most ridiculous thing ever. But, I mean, it's true. She is a surgeon. Yeah. And, like, had he known that that was his sister's doctor, maybe that wouldn't have been so weird. I don't know. Hmm. But, like, there's the whole, like, they don't really know who each other person is yet. Right, right, right. Yeah. But, like, they're all angry at each other. And, again, she's hungry. (laughs) So, eventually, she just grabs a bowl of rice and, like, walks out. Where she starts talking to her sister. And her sister was trying to hook her up with DJ because he has a really nice ass. Which is kind of a running (laughs) joke. Is that he's got, like, the best ass. Uh, But then Trisha says, like, oh, you were going to hook me up with the hired help? And that hired help is that insult to DJ's pride. Because he's, like... I'm not just the hired help. I'm a cook. I'm a chef. I'm like, I went to Le Cordon Bleu. Like, I'm this amazing person. I went to the same cooking university as your cousin, which is how he got in to cook the meal and how Emma got in to see Trisha is because DJ knows or is really good friends with Trisha's cousin. Okay. There's the connection. Yes. There's the connection. The cousin, who is, I believe, the main character in the sequel book, which is Recipe for Persuasion. <gasps> yes, which I already called dibs on. Yeah, I guess you're going to have to 
read that when we cover persuasion. I might have to read it before we cover persuasion. <laughs> um, because I love that character. She's super nice. And uh, I want to read more about these guys. Is she? But, wait. So the cousin, because it, um, if it's like the persuasion book, then is she the, was it Anne Elliot? That's the main character of persuasion, right? Is she like. So do you Anne remember? Elliot? Do you remember when we did our intro? episode and i said the only book that i've read has been pride and prejudice and half sense of sensibility <laughs> okay yeah sorry yeah sorry. i have no idea I'm sorry. I, um, I have absolutely no idea who anybody could be because i don't know who's in those books i'm just musing okay keep going keep, keep talking about pride prejudice and other flavors um but so after trisha insults dj because again she's really hungry um she just sits there and starts eating the rice and she's like, oh, my God, this is the best rice I've ever eaten. And she eats the entire bowl. And that's kind of when this whole, like, she can no longer eat other people's food thing pops up. Mm-hmm. Where, like, throughout the rest of the novel, anytime she eats other food, she's like, well, this isn't as good as DJ's food. <laughs> He's a ruined food for her, which is a thing for her because she just eats. Yeah. Um, I mean, I it's, just it's, eat, it's, so I get it. I yeah, get it. it's funny. It's not like a like a food shaming kind of thing where it's like, oh, she eats everything and she doesn't gain a pound. That's never like a thing. Yeah. It's just that she just like doesn't eat until she's like starving because she's so stressed and busy and focused, which we all can get. Yeah. You know, like I get that way. Can, I'm sure everybody get can that relate way. to that. Yes. Yeah. Everybody can relate to that. Yeah. So, but I, I really enjoyed that. But that's how they meet. This whole like insulting each other like she just assumes that he's a cook hence the prejudice yeah she insults his pride they can't quite get over that but they keep running into each other because again she's his sister surgeon and he's catering her brother's big campaign stuff okay so there's all this all of this stuff and then like Drama happens with the sister, who's normally the person in charge of catering and event planning. And then Trisha has to deal with that. Trisha is trying to get Emma to take the surgery. And then we throw in Julia Wickham, who is a white girl who has a really big problem with cultural appropriation. Oh, no. It's not flat out said that way. But when we meet her... She's a white girl with dreads. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Uh, and this is years after Trisha uh, knew her before because they were roommates in college. And Trisha eventually admits that when they were roommates in college, that she started to, like, Julia started to, like, wear henna and saris and, like, jangly jewelry and just was like culturally appropriating all of these indian things and then we don't see her again for years and now she has dreadlocks no and again it's not blatantly said but i read it as big cultural appropriation i think that's the correct way to read that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and here's the best part is that that's not the worst of it so julia wickham essentially comes in and um kind of weasels her way into working quote unquote with dj and emma and this is that moment where it's like emma kind of turns into lydia a little bit in that sense that wickham is kind of preying on her and the sad thing is is that what julia wickham does to emma is much worse than what george wickham did to lydia Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just like what George, what Julia Wickham did to Trisha's brother is significantly worse than what he did to Georgiana in the original text. So, but she manages to weasel her way in there, and we finally have that weird trust issue between Trisha and DJ because, like, Trisha can't really tell DJ why it's not a good reason to be hanging out with Julia Wickham, and he's like, well, you're not giving me a reason not to, and I don't necessarily trust you from before, so I don't know what to do about it. So there's that there's that conflict there because like 
we can see what Julia Wickham is doing to DJ and Emma and how it's bad. And we kind of like, as a reader, you kind of just want to shake DJ and be like, no, 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 no. You're not getting it. You're not seeing what's what's wrong here. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to have a book that has conflict. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just going to keep griping about last, last <laughs> episode. Uh, but yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's just a really lovely book. All yeah. of the characters are so much fun. Uh, they are really well fleshed out. And again, you can see the references back to the original characters and stuff like that. They're not like the sister isn't Jane yeah. specifically, but you can see how she could be like her. And there's there's a couple of fun characters that are not referenced at all. There's like no no reference point for them in the original text, but Trisha's grandmother is adorable, and she also has a cousin. And I don't know if this is supposed to be a reference for something I'm not getting, or if this is just something fun that Sonali Dave uh, put in the book. But her cousin, she was in an accident that it was the accident who killed her that killed her parents, and after that she's been off. She, like, can't be overstimulated or anything like that. She uh, is very quiet. And so her and the grandmother kind of live in their own, like, little little apartment within the family home. Which, again, they're rich and it's ginormous. Like, it has its own name. Yeah. That's how big this is. <laughs> and it's in San Francisco. So just reference wow. for money-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they... Those two women, they have their own little, like, apartments within the house, and they take care of each other. And the cousin has prophetic visions. Okay. So she's actually the reason why the family is so obsessed with the brother's, like, political career. Mm -hmm. Because I guess she kind of foresaw that he would have a political career. And she has seen other things that's been hinted to that other things have been predicted too. And she says some things to Trisha that at the time when you read them, you're like, oh, okay, I wonder what that's about. It could be X, Y, or Z. And then at the end, you realize that it has to do with with something specific. I'm not going to give it away. But yeah, so it's really kind of interesting, that character. And like... I really hope that that character comes back in Recipe for Persuasion yeah. because like, I think that she's she's kind of fun because when she's you see her I think uh, a couple of times the first time you see her she's just like asleep but like not really asleep you know she's just kind of being really quiet and then the next time you see her she's just kind of like lying in bed like looking up at the ceiling with the brother and Trisha and they're just kind of relaxing and like reminiscing and talking and just like chilling. Hmm. And it's just like when you read it, you just feel really relaxed around her. It's yeah. really weird, okay. <laughs> but I love it at the same time. Nice, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this book has so many different dimensions, and it's just—it's gonna make you hungry. It's gonna make you happy. It's gonna make you frustrated, like any good book does. And you should just read it because it's freaking amazing. And the audio book is really good too. Because obviously, again, I had to switch to the audiobook so I could <laughs> I could work while also read. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I def it, it, you definitely need to read this book. Like everybody needs to read Pride and Prejudice and Other Flavors. Awesome. Yay. Yeah. Yay. So to kind of end this, I have a question that I'd like to pose for both of us. Good, because you barely asked me questions and I asked you all of the questions. I know. <laughs> I wanted you to be able to have time to describe your book. Um, but my question is, after reading your novel, was there anything that, like, stuck with you or that, like, called to you while reading your novel, not just, like, as a Pride and Prejudice adaptation, but specifically through uh, the lens of a culture that is different than yours like was it there anything that like called to you or that you noticed or that you learned uh this is totally gonna sound like i just pulled it right off of food network but one of the things with food and and culture 
is how connected they really are. And again, this book really focuses a lot around food. I mean, it's called And Other Flavors for a reason. The connection in this book that both characters have with food, uh, specifically DJ as a cook. So he's from a bad neighborhood in London and working with food is kind of what gave him the leg up he needed. So his love of cooking and the things that he learned from the Indian woman that taught him is essentially what got him into Le Cordon Bleu Mm -hmm. because he didn't get in because he knew somebody or anything like that. He got in completely on his own merit. I don't know if that even answers your question at all or anything like that, but just like his connection to food and seeing how that helped him out. And then Trisha's connection with food and how it brings back memories of her time in India because her and her family they would spend their summers in India and how that connects her to her history and I don't want to say ancient but the old history that's like there and it's complicated and everything with her family being former Maharajas and everything like that yeah it's really interesting because both characters have this connection to food and it's both Indian food but the connection is very different and it speaks to their different cultures in two different ways Mm -hmm. you know so yeah that's really interesting um because in my book i mentioned that chai is like a big symbol um Mm -hmm. and it's like a source of comfort throughout the novel but food in general is also referenced um throughout the novel especially as khalid loves to cook so i think that speaks to your point as well where like food is so connected to specific cultures like specific foods are so connected with specific cultures and that's how like a lot of people keep their traditions alive is like by passing Mm -hmm. on recipes and things like that so yeah I think there's a big connection there well I was gonna say this we read these books through this multicultural lens right and a lot of the stuff that's like talked about in my book in terms of the way that the the families are connected and their how they share their traditions and how their story, whether it's them personally in the, the case of DJ and Emma or their family history in the case of Trisha's family, the Rajes, how it's all connected through these certain traditions and the certain foods um, is really interesting for me, like seeing seeing that connection in this book and how important it is to these characters that when they're eating certain foods or they're doing certain traditions, it connects them back to their heritage. Yes. Their, you know, their history, the, the, the Rajas being former Maharajas, like they have this big grand history and this, this culture that is something that they're very connected to. And, you know, personally, I don't have something like that. So it was really nice to see that. Because it's like, it just makes me happy that these characters have that. And it's really nice. And, yeah. You know, it's kind of warm and comforting. Yeah. So. I agree. Yeah. Um, same with in Aisha at last. Like, there's very big connection to, like, food, community, and family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So those were our two books for this week. Yes. And um, we have one more set of books that we weren't originally planning on doing. Surprise! But we got some. So, very recently, The Heiress came out. Um, I don't have the book in front of me. I apologize. Who's it by? I have it. Who is it? The Heiress by Molly Greeley. So, that recently came out. And it is... It, I don't think it's a version of Pride and Prejudice, but it is... Anne de Burr's story. It's the revelations of Anne de Burr. Yes. That's what it says. So I don't know if it actually follows any part of Pride and Prejudice, but it is a Pride and Prejudice character and their story. Mm-hmm. So Katrina's going to read The Heiress. Yes. And I'm going to read What Kitty Did Next by Carrie Cabling. And this takes place after Pride and Prejudice. So again, it's a... I think I think that might be the unofficial title of the week is going to be Pride and Prejudice Characters and Their Stories. Yes. <laughs> so not quite through their like, not quite the same story through their point of view. It's going to be separate. Yes. Maybe. We'll see. 
it's like a little bit of the other Bennett sister because part of it was Mary Bennett, Pride and Prejudice, but a part of it was also her own story. But I think these ones are just their own stories. Mm -hmm. So if you want to read along, I will say you can get the heiress at most places, including our bookshop.org shop where you can buy all of the books that we have read and 10% of what you buy goes to us to help us keep the lights on. My book, on the other hand, What Kitty Did Next, I have only been able to find on the Jane Austen Center in Bath on their website. That is the only place I've been able to find this book. (laughs) So, yeah, I saw it and I was like, oh, I want to read that. And then we found the heiress. So that's kind of how we ended up with this next week. But yeah, so if you can get your hands on What Kitty Did Next read it with us we'll review it next week and then of course get your hands on the heiress which is fairly new which means katrina really is not going to tell us what happens at all whatsoever right nope no no that's not how she does it it's gonna be all (laughs) it's gonna be like five minutes of me being like this book was great make sure you read it (laughs) sometimes i wonder why we still do this but (laughs) keep an ear out for our upcoming announcement of which jane austen book we're going to read next yes I'm really excited for Me it. too. But that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to grab these books because we absolutely loved them. Read them for yourself. Let us know what you think. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Beyond Measure is hosted by me, Katrina Mayer, and me, L. Kammerer. Our music was composed by Shane Ivers, and our artwork was created by the beautiful and talented Katie Keneally. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on our website at witbeyondmeasure.com, or follow us on Instagram for all of our updates, memes, and just fun stuff. Our handle is at WBMPodcast. I'm going to say that again. It's W B M podcast.